Welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living, a show where we talk to experts who've taken a wild idea and made it a reality so you can too. From people who have sailed around the world to those who've started thriving businesses and even broken records, some of the wildest ideas can lead to the most rewarding adventures. I'm your host, Shelby Stanger, and I hope you enjoy this show. This is episode 35 with action sports personality, the one and only Chris Cote. This episode was brought to you by Keen. On all my greatest wild adventures, I've had a pair of Keens with me. I wore them when I stand up paddled down a portion of the Peruvian Amazon River, when I went tubing through the glowworm caves in New Zealand, and even trekking through the rainforest of Costa Rica. Keen's most known for their Newport sandal. They're made to go in water and on land, but right now they also have some amazing new styles I'm especially excited about. The Terradora collection, for example, was designed specifically for the unique biomechanics of a woman's foot and stride. It was designed so you could trek all through Yosemite or any great hiking destination, and so you could wear them through the city streets, on the beach, and they're stylish enough to wear out after with leggings or jeans. Best of all, Keen is a family-owned company. They're out of Portland, Oregon. They're committed to not only protect the places we play outside, but they also provide numerous grants to causes and difference makers who share their ambitious goals. They support some kick-ass ambassadors as well. You can check them out at keenfootwear.com. That's K-E-E-N footwear.com for more. This episode was also brought to you by HDX Hydration Mix. Like you, I'm an active person. I love sports drinks, but many of them have a lot of weird stuff inside of them. That's why I like HDX Mix. Not only do they use stevia and natural sweeteners, but there's no caffeine, no junk, and it has all the electrolytes, vitamins, amino acids, and minerals to stay hydrated and going all day long, whether you're surfing, running, or even producing podcast episodes. There's only one flavor, it's berry, and it tastes amazing. Besides being low in sugar, it comes in a tiny pouch, not a plastic bottle. So all you have to do is add it to your own water and your own reusable bottle, minimizing your impact and not adding to plastic pollution. You can even stuff it in your pocket or in your wetsuit during long surf trips or run. It's super easy to carry. It's lightweight. It's the healthy, eco-friendly hydration drink. You can check them out at hdxmix.com. That's H as in happy. D is in delightful, X is in x-ray, mix.com. Before we start today's show with Chris, I wanted to read an email someone sent to me. They said they couldn't figure out the podcast app, but they wrote an incredible letter. I'm going to summarize it. It's from Leah B. Leah said, the podcast is something she listens to first thing every morning before email, Facebook, and Insta. But two years ago, she was feeling restless and decided to take a solo trip to Alaska. Ever since returning to, quote, my real life in Denver, she says, I've been daydreaming about moving there. I always framed it in my head as a daydream because I didn't have a real reason to do it. I have a great, fine life here in Colorado, but am I just supposed to drive to and from the office every day until I retire? That thought goes through my head almost every day. Your interview with Steph Jagger, when you talk about the false narrative of needing to hit rock bottom before making big, brave, bold moves, stuck out, and then about focusing on starting lines instead of finish lines, this has been stuck in my head for weeks. I decided to move to Alaska because it seems like a starting line that's been calling to me. 
I have no idea what will come of it, but thanks to you and your guests, I can't ignore it anymore. So thanks for putting this content out there, having amazing guests, and asking interesting questions. This is a rare podcast that's making a real impact. Wow. Thank you, Leah B. If anybody here lives in Alaska or has some contacts, please email me. I'd love to help her out. Leah, you're awesome. Today's guest is also an incredible guy who I think this show will make a real impact on a lot of people. It's the one and only Chris Cote. He's an action sports personality who got his start as the editor of Transworld Surf. He's also a great skateboarder, a great surfer. He's the host of the World Surf League, which is an amazing, amazing job. He's in a band. He's been in all sorts of movies. He's the editor-in-chief of Encinitas Magazine, and he's just a positive guy. He's got an important message that he shares with us, and we talk about everything from how he got his start to getting branded on by Green Day and Blink-182 to something his brother dared him to do to a sea anemone, and, and he's a funny guy. It's a fun show. So thanks for this long introduction. I really hope you enjoy this one, and thanks to Kote for coming on. Okay, so today we have on Chris Cote, one of the most legendary multimedia action sports personalities. We're actually in his in his awesome studio converted van. You're gonna have to tell us a little bit about this. But Cote, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming to my office. This is a, a retrofit, uh, retrofit, retrofitted. Is that a word? Retrofitted. That sounds good. It's a retrofitted. So it seems like retrofat would be like the <laughs> plural of. It's a retrofitted airstream trailer. Um, it was basically a meth lab at one point, and it was rat infested in the desert. We took it. Uh, gutted it and they made it beautiful. It's a really cool office and you, people you, smile when they see it. You would never know that people made le- meth in here. But there may even have been murders in here in, well, the, in the desert. You know, you never know. Well, you must. It, there's good vibes though, so I doubt it. Yeah, you must have done some sort of like sage ceremony. Yeah, I burned tons of sage. So you can already here. tell Chris has this amazing personality. Comedian. L- let's just get. How did you get your start? Just get into it. Get into it. Um, well, I guess the. The, I'll, I'll kind of try to do an abbreviated um, lineage uh, historical document here. No, so you know, I've always just had, um, I guess, a positive disposition throughout school, and you know, in my family, I was kind of the the person in the family that kept everything fun and happy through hard and or good times. So that's kind of just stayed with me. I'm a person that likes to bring joy and positivity into a room when I enter, I guess. It's a great um, trait to have. Yeah, and that you know that kind of started when I was a, a kid. So that is something that I used throughout my um, early career, I guess, in the action sports realm, starting off as a, you know, amateur surfer, getting sponsored, and then going, you know, doing some pro-level surfing magazines, photo trips, videos. I was always... I wasn't always the best surfer, but I always had the best attitude and brought something extra to the trip or to the contest. So I, you know, made made a lot of friends and you know made uh, connections with people um, on business and personal side. And so I was able to kind of parlay those relationships into eventual jobs in the action sports industry. Um, Reef, Billabong, Arnett. Um, 
Hurley. I worked at all these companies kind of in marketing and then um, just kind of like not climbed my way up the ladder, but uh, I was working for all these companies. Then I kind of left the surf industry. I became a drum tech for Blink-182 for a couple years, toured with them. Then from there, I came back, got a job at Hanson Surfboards. I was a horrible employee, never folded a shirt, just the worst surf shop kid ever. Um, and then kind of stalled out, you know, weed, partying, um, kind of just became, I guess, content with just sitting around getting stoned and working in a surf shop, which is totally fine if that's what you're into. Uh, but uh, in 1999, got a call from a friend to help start Transworld Surf Magazine. So, you know, when I was traveling, surfing and all that, I was also writing articles, you know, doing video reviews and whatever I could really do to get in print. For how, how old were you in 99, real quick? 99 would have been 23 or something. So when you were 23, you got asked to go work at Transworld. Yeah, because I had done stuff for Surfer Magazine, Wave Action Magazine, Surfing Magazine, you know, all the magazines basically, oh. stuff here and there. And so, yeah, I started there and it was basically our kind of thing to create. There was five of us, you know, and we just kind of did whatever we wanted, and it was awesome. And they paid you. They paid me. That is yeah. amazing. They gave me a desk and everything. So one of the other great things is, what do you do now? Let's just talk a little bit about what you do now. I know you DJ, and you're a host of the WSL. I'm missing some other things. You have this awesome podcast. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, we had kind of talked about it earlier. What do you call me? <laughs> and I And I think the easiest answer is, multimedia action sports personality, right? And that's super weird to call yourself that. <laughs> but you asked me. So I asked you. It's my um you know, I've always I, I've been I guess uh, a multitasker my whole life. So at at this point, let's say today if you asked me what my job was, I would say I am a media business owner, Cote Media Group. And under that business I do uh, commentary for surf skate and snowboard events, um, like live broadcast, play-by-play kind of stuff. I do, um, I'm a consultant for a couple brands, uh, a brand in Car- uh, Carlsbad called Gnarlywood and Quincy Woodwrights. They uh, are a logistics company and also make USA-made skateboards, private label, and, and they have their own company. So I, I'm helping them with um, kind of just marketing, PR, uh, social media, and working on their website with them. I do an event in Cabo every year. I'm the communications director for the Los Cabos Open of Surf. Wow. And so I work on that for about four to five months of the year. Um, what else is there? Oh, Encinitas Magazine. I'm the editor-in-chief. So that's uh, every other month. It's bi-monthly magazine, and I'm actually working on that right now. Um, I do freelance writing for various publications. Um I just started, or I just became part of You Online, You, you. with Chris Cantori. So I'm a partial owner, and I'm a, a content creator, and that's where my podcast lives, uh, The Monday Mass with Chris Cote. And he just sang your praises. He just said, you know, this guy, he's got so many different <laughs> facets of him, but he is just full of love and, and he went really deep. So wow. we're going to get deep like later, that. but, yeah. but I want to hear more about right now. We know you from, from a lot from the WSL. I mean, yep. WSL is probably the biggest platform right now. And then some of the Vans events. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I started doing commentary stuff with 
the WSL in my Transworld days when we sponsored the US Open. The US Open was kind of my, I guess, first major commentary gig online. Um, and then from there, kind of parlayed that into working with Fuel TV, kind of co or being the backup host for The Daily Habit. And then ho- as one of the main hosts for Action Sports Plus. So, you know, through all that, I just kind of developed a commentary style, developed a voice, um, started doing a bunch of QS events, a bunch of CT events. So I've pretty much done all the big ones, um, get called in to do big wave world tour stuff, which is just incredible. Um, I did the, the biggest, best, probably heaviest Eddie Icow event ever. Um, oh, that was did, one that John John won. Yeah, I did the event wow. at uh, at Jaws, the Big Wave World Tour event there, which was just insanity. Um, did you have to surf it? No, hell no. Okay, I, I don't checking. do that. Yeah, uh, I'm good at talking about it. Surfing it, I mean, I can do airs at Seaside or D Street all day, but it, when it comes to waves over ten feet, I'm out. You're a legit I'm surfer, out. though. So you've you've done all these amazing things, and what's great is in this industry, sometimes once you hit like 35 or something, you've peaked, but you're maybe 36, 40. You're 40? I'm 40 years old. And one of the things we talked about, uh, you've you've been able to stay relevant for quite a a while. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's something that I'm proud of. You know, I'm proud to say that I'm still – you know, a big part, I don't say of this industry, but I guess of this world, you know, I was just surfing with a bunch of 13, 14 year olds at, at Seaside and we're all kind of having the same conversation. It's not like I'm some old dude out there that they're dropping in on or whatever, you know, it's, so it's, I, I still feel like I'm a kid at heart. So my excitement about skating, surfing, all this stuff is, is as high as it ever was. And I think that comes through and how I talk about it. Um, I've been given the opportunity to be the play-by-play announcer for the Vans Park series in the past two years. And so that's taken me out of, out of the running for some other surf events. So that's why you probably haven't seen me on as many surf events lately. But I mean, for me, I'm just super, I'm geeked on skating. I've been skating probably for longer than I've surfed. So to be given that opportunity was really cool. And that's, again, that's what I kind of owe longitude of my career to is being able to traverse all these things and I guess have a wide skill set I think also like humor is able to transcend genres true yeah I have fun with it do you practice your jokes or is this just (laughs) natural practice jokes in the mirror nightly no I I mean like I said I've always just that's been my disposition you know I I would say my wit as a teenager was a lot more um Serbic, you know, I was not nasty. I was never mean. I've never been mean, but I it was probably just a little bit more uh annoying. <laughs> Hopefully it's a little bit uh higher level, highbrow humor these days. I, I think it's all good. All Less humor fart is jokes good. and more um jokes about math and stuff. So so going back to these jokes, I'm just gonna well one one person wanted me to ask you, we'll call her Sonita. Sonita Sonita, Hi, our Sonita. listener called in and said, you know, ask Kote, you've got your hands in a thousand pots. Is that how you designed picture your life? Or is there one thing you'd want to do for the rest of your life and just focus on that? It's, you- yeah, I mean, that's funny because my friend was 
telling me this yesterday. He goes, man, if you were just really good at one thing, it would be so much easier to place you in our landscape, you know? And I go, well, thank you. You know, that's a compliment. I've always considered myself kind of a jack of all trades, master of none, you know, I guess um, mastering a lot of different trades in a way, like half-assed way. <laughs> so yeah, I guess to that question, I mean, by design, yes, because, you know, I've always had a lot of different interests. I never just surfed or just skated or just played guitar. You know, it was always, oh, I want to play drums. I want to play bass. I want to try everything. And I think work-wise, you know, the only thing that I don't ever want to do again is just have the one job, one boss, and, you know, kind of be... Because I did that, you know, I was at Transworld for 13 years. And at that time, I kind of figured out that there was so many, it, it was really cool because they allowed me to go do stuff for Fuel TV, to go do commentary. So in one job, I was basically getting five jobs. You know, I think a lot of jobs are like that. But that was kind of where I figured out I want to do all of this. I don't want to not settle for one thing, but I want to be able to wake up every day and kind of choose my own adventure for the day. That's awesome. I think that's why I'm so excited to have you on is you have that mind frame. So many so many people say, oh, you have to focus, you have to focus. But I think if you're good at a lot of things and you're not just half, he's not just half as good. He, he skates really <laughs> this well. This wild idea is worth living, He folks. rips at surfing. He's an awesome commentator. He's got this new podcast, The Monday Mass, that you'll have to tune into. We'll talk about a little later. Okay, we're going to just rip through a couple stories. Because, Let's rip it. Because I was told rip to ask in. you. First of all, another caller, Benjamin Cole, we'll call him. Okay. He asked. He said that there's this new phrase being thrown around at his mortgage banking office called heavy line. And it refers to a surfing term. Heavy I've line. Never like, hey, there's some heavy lines out there. Have you heard that? Or is this an East Coast thing? Um, It might be an East Coast thing. I think... I've heard drawing heavy lines, you know, somebody like uh, Connor Coffin or, you know, a really powerhouse surfer could be drawing heavy lines. I think okay. Connor Coffin, you know, depending on when people listen to this, surfing at J-Bay, you could say Connor Coffin was drawing heavy lines. I like that and I'm going to steal that and use that phrase if that's okay, Benjamin. Okay, so Benjamin, your question's answered. Thank you now, for taking that. there was a story that um, a band somehow branded on you something oh yeah yeah that was so i have a band called cut you up we've been around for ever 20 something years we are i guess just kind of trashy garage rock you know we're all like dads and stuff now but we still play we're playing in august but we got the opportunity to tour with blink 182 and green day and they made a film on it. It was a documentary that the guys in Blink came up with called Riding in Vans with Boys. So they gave us a van and a trailer and a little bit of gas money. And we basically followed along on their tour as a sideshow. You know, not even technically supposed to be on the tour. But they, uh, get, you know, our friend Matt Bouchane came along and filmed it. And it was it's kind of like reality show before there was reality shows. And one of the parts, and we are, you know, getting nuts, getting loaded. And one of the parts that people love and still kind of remember is that we're, we're live, and that's a train. Um, one of the parts that people still love and remember, this film has kind of become like a cult classic, is we were all backstage playing pool, and there's a pool bridge, you know, it looks kind of like a crown metal. 
somebody, I don't know who came up with the idea, like, we should brand somebody with this. And I was in the other room, and Billy Joe from Green Day said, hey, can we brand you with this? And I said, yeah, let's do it. And so they heated it up with lighters, and they branded me on the ass. And it actually was way gnarlier than anybody kind of expected it to be. It turned into like a second, third degree burn, full rush down to the nurse and the whole deal. But it actually didn't leave that crazy of a scar because I think I took really good care of it after the fact. I kind of wish I wouldn't have because I still get kids, adults, whoever around the world who've seen this movie you know, Blink fans or Green Green Day fans that go, let us see your scar. Let us see your branding scar. And it's there's just not much there, which is kind of a bummer. It's on your booty. Yeah. So, it's kind of just like a band of, a small band of freckles now for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're not going to ask you to show it to you me can right Google now. It. But yeah, maybe you we'll can, take a picture for the fans. The, the video is on, online. It's okay, on the internet. We'll include that in the show notes just so the listeners <laughs> can get an idea of where we are. This Airstream is so decked out. There's a Scott Baio record. It says Scott Baio. Someone wrote Sucks on it. Yeah, I wrote um, that. There's Bowie hanging. Cool picture of Bowie. Pee Wee Herman a statue hanging from some records, some old tapes, a Mexican blanket signed from Univ, the really cool store next door. And we're actually next door to Hanson's, the surf shop where you didn't like working at. So it's kind of your world's come full well, circle. I, I liked working there. They, I, I just was not good at my job. Okay. Well, folding. Okay. So then there's another story that someone wanted me to ask you about. There was a time when Andy Irons, and for those of you who don't know Andy Irons, amazing pro surfer who passed away. He set you up and some Hawaiians kind of jumped out of the bushes, maybe some mooks. Just- yeah. Oh, yeah. So Andy, I feel, I was the host with Andy Irons for a, a surf or a movie called Learn to Surf with Andy Irons that we made with Transworld. And we were, we f- were filming on Kauai, which is scary in itself. So we were at Pine Trees. And one of the scenes in the film was like, I'm going to, I'm going to dress like a kook, right? I was wearing Speedos, riding this giant soft top. And it was, I don't even know why or how this idea came about, but I go, oh, I'm cool. Whatever. I'll do it. So I'm surfing pine trees, which is not a heavy localized spot, but it's still, you know, it's still on Kauai. It's still sketch at times. And so I'm out there. I have a, a guy filming me from the water to two video guys on the beach and a photographer on the beach. And so these locals come up and go, what is going, you know, what the F is going on here? Who is this guy? Who told you you could film here? You know, they were just immediately snapped. And the, one of the video, uh, the videographers was in, was on the beach talking to him going, no, no, this guy's, this guy's the next big thing. He's hired us to come out here. He said he's totally fine to surf anywhere he wants. I mean, fully rallying these guys up, you know, taking the piss out of me and having fun. And these guys are getting so mad. And and I look and I'm going, what's going on on the beach? These guys are puffing up crazy and waiting for me to come in. And I come in and they kind of start getting in my face. Who are, you know, what do you think you're doing? Wait till Titus hears about this. You know, they were fully going to, pound me and i'm going i'm here with andy he's he they're like we don't see him we don't see andy you don't know andy irons and i'm going he's and i'm looking and he's way up the beach hiding behind a tree just laughing his ass off and i'm going he's over there he's by the tree and then finally these guys were they were done they were done they were gonna just kick my ass right there 
and he comes running down the beach and he's all, no, 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 we're making this video. And he totally saved me. But he let me get to almost, just almost the point of just getting my face smashed into the sand by these guys. So yeah, he, he let it go for a long time. Wow. It was scary. It sounds scary. Funny. I thought the whole thing was set up <laughs> and the guys were in on it too. The guys were not in on it. They wow. laughed at the end of it, but they were not stoked. Oh, that's so heavy. Um, okay. <laughs> Last story. I don't know if this is super inappropriate. We've already gotten a couple E's on this show, which is not for excellent. It's for explicit. Oh yeah. But it's a story with a sea anemone. A sea anemone is a creature. Yes. Um, maybe you can just tell the sea anemone. Yeah, story. I mean, this is this is not. I don't think this is explicit. When I was, I had to have been ten or twelve, and my brother and I were in La Jolla. My dad used to live in La Jolla, so we'd go there on weekends. My brother said, "I'll give you twenty bucks if you put your penis in the in a sea anemone." <laughs> We're, you know, on the reef and it was exposed and there's sea anemones everywhere. And I'm going, hold on. We should probably explain if for those of you who don't know what a sea anemone yeah. is, they're these little creatures that attach themselves to tide pools. And if you put like any object your in finger, your finger, let's say, let's say it, it closes on it and it's jelly and it suctions. And anyways, <laughs> it closes in. And so the theory is, you know, and I was a kid and I thought, wow, 20 bucks. And so I did it. Nothing really happened. But, you know, my brother thought this was just the best thing he's ever seen. He was falling over laughing. Never gave me my 20 bucks. And forever, he came home. And, of course, I'm going, don't tell anybody. And all his friends knew about it. And so they always would be. And anytime someone would see a scene in me, they go, oh, hey, Chris, there's a scene in me right here if you want to. What's get so, with it. What's so great is you can make fun of yourself. No problem. And I think yeah. that's been a really good tactic. Did you have to learn to make fun of yourself because you had an older brother or where did this come from? Yeah, I think just making light of whatever bad situations has always been a strength of mine. And, you know, it. I've just never been, I maybe when I was younger, I used to be sensitive about what people would say to me or whatever because I was always short, glasses, you know little guy and so i would have to i guess a defense mechanism would be to make fun of myself with them if somebody's making fun of me i'm like yeah i am short or whatever you know so it kind of i guess it, it aided me in growing up but that's such good advice if you can make fun of yourself when someone else is making fun of you like they can't go anywhere with oh that. for sure it stops them yeah i mean there's we we have everybody i'm sure everybody who's doing anything on social media has trogs out there trolls and you know i i got it super bad for a while at trans world when we had we used to have the the gnarliest message boards out any of anywhere i mean this was pre beach grit pre stab anything we had these message boards and people would just go nuts write us off write me off super bad and it was when you could you could find people by their tags or whatever and I remember this one guy was just going day in, day out. Anything I would post, he'd be like, you just say this gnarly stuff to me, personal stuff. And I'm like, what the hell? And so I finally, I just, I figured out where he was. I figured out his phone number through his IP, whatever, IPO address. And I called him and he worked at this flower shop in Newport. And I was like, hey, this is Chris Cote. You know, is everything cool? You seem like you have something against me. I'm wondering if I've done something to you. And he was all, uh, no, um, I'm a huge fan, actually. 
and I just wanted to get your attention or something like that. And so that kind of was eye opening for me because it made me it made me kind of aware that these people aren't mad at you or they're not hate spiteful hateful towards you. They just want to get your attention. And I think it happens. I mean, obviously, my the 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 ways it happens to me is nothing compared to what happens to a real celebrity, you know, a famous musician, a famous athlete. Think about, I mean, any famous athlete, Kobe Bryant, Colin Kaepernick, these are guys that have been just destroyed in all kinds of media, not just social media. So I can't, I can't even imagine what they go through, celebrities, whatever. I mean, for me, it's like, you're fat, whatever, you know, like that's going to hurt my feelings. You can diet. Yeah. And they're ugly. Yeah. Your voice is too high. I'm like, I, I don't know what to do about that. Wow. Well, that's, that's interesting. And I'm really glad you, you said that because I think there's a lot of listeners who have social media and people write really nasty things. And, and it's interesting that that guy just wanted attention. Yeah. I don't mind a, a, a good hater is, is, you know, that'll keep your ego going because if you're getting hated on, right, you're doing it right. That's so if interesting. You're not getting hated on. For me, the problem is... When people stop talking, that's when I'm going to have an issue because then you're not doing anything that's hate-worthy and then where are you at? So a lot of what you do involves a lot of risk. There's no roadmap to what you do. Or right. Maybe there was. Maybe you had a mentor. I don't know. But my guess is you didn't. You kind of figured this out yourself. So along the way, has there ever been doubts and fears and, and how do you deal with that? Like what's your, what's your self-talk? Do you look in the mirror and you – I mean I don't, I don't yeah. imagine you say this but – what no, I mean, I, I, I've used mantras in the past. Um, I'm a magnet for new opportunities and prosperity, wow. which is a mantra that has worked for me recently. Um, there, I mean, there's always been scary times. I went from having salary, healthcare, the whole deal, corporate card, phone paid for everything for 13, 14 years. And then before that, for many, you know, decades, just being on salary or whatever. And so after I started my own company, it was, okay, here's the, the real hustle begins because as your own boss, you can get as many jobs or fail at as many jobs as you want. There was times when I took on too much and basically wasn't able to keep control of everything. And then there were times when I took on too little where I just went, oh no, you know, I need to find some quick money. I need to figure out some parties to DJ or something to get a couple extra hundred bucks to pay rent and all that and feed the family. So there's definitely scary moments when you just do your own thing. You know, I like to try to, I'm by no means financially secure or sound and I'm definitely not good with money. I mean, I like to spend money on stuff, food, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, um, I feel like, the the plan, I guess, the overall plan for me, you know, and my wife doesn't work anymore either, so it's kind of we're winging it full on. She's starting her own business. It's called Miraculously You. You can follow it on Instagram at Miraculously You. But basically, if I can get a a couple gigs, a couple monthly things to kind of cover the basic costs of life, then other jobs become, you know, either savings or extra money to try to take the family on a trip or something like that. So it's, it's a balance of trying to cover the, the basics in life and then trying to get a little bit more. I mean, I, I just don't want to be super stressed out in life. So I don't 
I don't, um, I don't, I guess I don't, uh, I don't want to say I don't work hard because I work super hard, but I don't, I'm not trying to put myself in a position to where I'm just pulling my hair out and I'm not allowed to surf or do anything else in life because I'm too busy. Yeah, I think that's what makes you happy. But this is really refreshing, everything you're saying, by the way, because I'm sort of going through, I do a million things as well. And it's, I like doing a lot of things. So it's fun to actually meet someone who does this. Um, I I was going to ask you, you know, that mantra was really interesting. I didn't expect that from you. Yeah. I kind of want to know a little bit more about that and where that came from. And if you have any other routines, tactics, things that you do every morning that really help you get grounded or things that you avoid that just help you stay healthy. Yeah. I mean, I would say the, the mantra comes from my wife. She's kind of a, she's basically her new business. She's a holistic coach, kind of like a life coach kind of deal. So she's been doing spiritual studies forever. And when I get stuck on things, she kind of, she'll give me something like that, that mantra. That was a mantra. I'm going, God, I just, I can't seem to find this one more piece of the puzzle to make enough money for this or, you know, to fit everything in. Right. So she said, here's a good one. She sent me, I'm a magnet for new opportunities and prosperity. And I started singing it in a song, playing guitar and singing it. And I actually, I I put it on Facebook or something, the song and people were going, yeah, that's rad. It, It just kind of made me, it made me happy. And I feel like, you know, mantras just opening up yourself to accepting that, you know, you deserve jobs or you deserve the things you want is is a, a big part of that. Because, you know, I feel like self-esteem plays a role in how successful you are. You know, if 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 you have a lot of self-esteem and you believe in yourself, you know, I feel like success is going to come. So that's kind of my thing. Like I wasn't going to get down on myself because I didn't have this one particular job I wanted and or didn't get hired to do this gig because I've been passed over, fired, not hired <laughs> a million times. You know, I've gone up against brick walls and I've always just kind of told myself like, you know, if I'll put myself out there for a hundred jobs or a hundred gigs. If I get five of them, I go, cool, I got five of them. I don't think I lost 95 of those. I think, yes, I got five of those. So it's kind of, I guess, just opening, opening yourself up to your, to success as a, is a part of reaching for it, knowing you deserve it. I just read this book. You're a badass at making money. And there's these, it seems cheesy, these mantras that say like, I love money and money loves me. And I remember reading that book and Johnny was like, what are you doing? And I just started saying it out loud and he was kind of laughing. Yeah. And the next day someone, two people called to sponsor my show. Now yeah. I've been banging on doors and they, I didn't do anything and they had called me. So I don't know. I think that stuff works. I am right there with you because I've, I've been on that other side of going, you know, I remember for a while I was getting, I forget what it was for credit cards or something. And I, and I wrote this thing on the wall or on the fridge, no bad mail. I don't want any bad mail. And my wife's like, what, why don't you write good mail or let's get good mail because you're kind of throwing that on the universe. And I, and then she was right. I mean, she's right a lot about this kind of stuff. So yeah, I've, I'm definitely of the opinion now that mantras, positive thinking, 
you know, I, I don't go as far as making vision boards or anything like that. But if 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 you if you do and it works, go for it. You know, I, I sometimes forget. I'll go a week or two weeks without saying a mantra or verbalizing it in some way, and it I you get in a slump. I don't and, know. We should have. I think we should have a vision board. Wild ideas worth living. <laughs> yeah. DJed by Cote, and you can help. So I'm noticing this garbage pill kid in your office, and I collected garbage pill kids. Like yeah. I have a whole sticker book of them. That's the only thing I have left. They're surf stickers and garbage pill kids. Which one is that? That's cut up Chris. How perfect. Yeah, it's this guy getting cut up by a lawnmower. And it's funny because my band is called Cut You Up, and my name is Chris. So this garbage pill kid is, I mean... That could be right up my alley. That's that all, I'm all about it. There was Chris Hiss too. That was the other one, like a greaser garbage pail kid guy. Those are my two Chris's. I remember that one. Um, what was yours? Shelby, some there was no, there was like the, my favorite was Melba Toast. Oh, I, I love Melba why, Toast, but it was just a funny one. And yeah, Shelby didn't have one. I was always so sad, but that's okay. There's still time. Garbage pail kids might come back. So what other routines do you have? Do you have to surf every day? I mean, you're a dad, which is amazing. And you have two kids that seem pretty pretty epic. Your wife sounds like a badass and maybe helps yeah. a lot. But any advice just raising good kids? I saw that your kids speak amazing Spanish. Oh, yeah. Their accents are incredible. I mean, I, I it's funny because through social media, you definitely just capture the best of your children. <laughs> you know, I've posted many photos of really just beautiful times where 10 minutes later, it's the gnarliest meltdown you ever seen in your life. So that's a kind of a misnomer, but yes, I do have two incredible kids and that is, I think a lot due to my wife, of course, she's now, you know, she's been a stay at home mom, stay at home mom for, I don't know, two years or something. So while the sacrifice is, you know, we don't have as much money and we don't have like the extra I guess the extra income that we used to have, we have her being able to attend to the boys 24 hours a day, six and eight years old. And, you know, that, that's just, that helped, that frees me up to, you know, she allows me not only to work a lot, but also to play a lot because she knows that, you know, your soul needs to be fed just like your wallet or whatever, you know, and I travel a lot for work and all that stuff. So she's, definitely the uh the glue in the family and i think you know as far as raising good kids you know again luckily both my kids are just brilliant little dudes so they they go to a dual immersion spanish english program which is crazy because they i mean if i try to learn spanish right now it would i don't even know how, it would take me years for them, they go to school and they they only speak Spanish in their classroom. And now they're both just killing it. They're going to be bilingual, you know, perfectly speaking Spanish and English by fifth grade. So that, I mean, that's just a huge opportunity that my wife fought hard for to get them in, you know, and she does, she signs them up for all the camps and all that stuff. So she's super on top of it. And I just try to help by showing them good music teaching them to skate, surf, you know, trying to lead by example. That was a huge reason that I stopped drinking and partying and all that was because not only did I want to be a good example for them, but I also wanted to be there for them because if you've ever been around kids when you're hungover, or blown out from the night before, it's not 
you're not a uh, participant in what's going on. <laughs> you're just kind of there. How many years have you been sober? Three years. Three years? Yeah. And was there like just a big decision or did you just, did it just happen one day? You know, I think it's kind of similar to when, so I, I, I used to smoke a ton of weed and I just remember there was a, a certain point where it just stopped working. You just smoke as much as you want and it would just be the same kind of level. And so that was when I go, okay, I got to quit, quit smoking weed. And I, I kind of remember this as drinking became for me more, you know, less of, I would go on benders for sure, partying, just making horrible decisions, which, you know, I, I remember one night just getting so out of it, looking in the mirror going, oh my God, you're a father. <laughs> like, what the hell is wrong with you? And it kind of just became to it where I was just was in this really this cycle of, you know, beers during the day, then wine at night and then have to wake up and go, okay, like, how am I going to get back into this, you know, zone or whatever? So it'd be take Adderall or drink a ton of coffee, something. So there was just this cycle where, you know, for me, it's after I had two beers or something, I just kind of reverted back to a teenager, just kind of got dull, eyes glazed and just, you know, easily slip into just being a numb nut. And so I remember I went to a bachelor party with some buddies, got just loaded. Next day, super hungover. My kid was like, are you sick, dad? And I go, oh, I feel, you know, not only did I feel physically and mentally like crap, but then that just kind of like kicked my spirit in the nuts. And so I said, okay, I'm not drinking for a while. And then three days later, I'm back at happy hour. Came home wasted. And then I go, whoa, Okay. Like, this is heavy. And so I thought, you know, forever my wife was asking me to maybe slow down on drinking, quit drinking. My mom was asking me, all these people, you know, I almost lost my marriage, all this stuff because of it. But I always said, I will never stop drinking. I love beer. I love, you know, partying with my friends. And then finally, it kind of almost got the better of me. So I just said, okay, I'm not drinking for two weeks. Two weeks went by. I go, okay, that wasn't that bad. I felt like crap because I was detoxing heavily. So it was kind of this series of events. You know, I had to go work this Cabo event and I go, okay, if I can go to Cabo and not drink, that's pretty awesome. You know, I didn't, I didn't necessarily go to many meetings or anything, but I had, you know, my dad goes to meetings or my dad's sober. So he kind of helped me. Other friends who went to meetings helped me. Um, so I just kind of took some information from them but it was really just myself telling me, look, you, you you are not the type of person that can just go have a beer, like a quote unquote normal person. You know, it always led to cigs, staying out late, drugs, whatever. And so for me, it's just, I just, I can't do it. I don't want to do it. And, you know, again, it, it came of, it became a thing like a, almost like a video game. You know, you pass these levels. Okay. A year. I did it and I don't feel like I've, I haven't earned the right to drink again or whatever. I just don't think I ever will again because it's not worth it for me, but I still go out. I still all my, you know, my friends drink everyone around me drinks, most people around me. So I don't, it's, I'm lucky because, you know, I have other friends. I know people that just cannot stop drinking, cannot stop taking drugs, cannot get over that disease of addiction. So I consider myself very lucky that I didn't have a really super rough time 
stopping drinking, you know, stopping everything. So it's, uh, I, I try, I try my best to help other people. Cause I, a lot of people ask me like, how do you do it? Or how did you do it? You know, and I'm, I don't have a manual or a rule book, but I just know the first thing comes from you wanting it. Because again, my wife would ask me all the time, maybe you should slow down on drinking. And I'm all, nah, you have to want it yourself. And that was kind of the final hurdle for me was actually admitting, oh, it sounds like a program thing or whatever, admitting you have a problem. But I think it's just admitting that you want to not have the problem anymore is the, the big step. It seems like in the last three years, your career has just done so well, Chris. The proof is in the pudding, right? I mean, I had a definite reputation in, in my world as being a super fun guy to hang out with, but not necessarily the most reliable person when it came to work. You know, and it was interesting because I remember hearing from somebody, you know, a, a production company that used to hire me all the time. Another friend of mine had asked them, oh, you should hire Chris for that job. And they go, and they told him, well, he's a little bit of a wild card. You never really know what you're going to get. You know, he could just totally lose the plot, go rogue. And my friend told me that and I was like, whoa, I had no idea. I knew that I had the, I knew that I was a fun guy, but I didn't know that I was getting the rep as a wild card. You know, I pride myself now always being on time, being dependable, you know, I don't miss deadlines. And so it, it was kind of jarring to hear that about myself. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing all of this and being so transparent and honest. I think, I think a lot of people don't share that. So I really appreciate it. Yeah. And, and it's been really cool to see your career take off. I actually used to be kind of intimidated to talk to you. So, so you're oh, much come more on. approachable and loving. No, you've always been really nice. One thing I really wanted to know was, you know, if a lot of people here ask me, how do you get into action sports? How do you, how do you pursue your wild idea? Right. What is your advice to people who want to do that? Um, I think, and, you know, again, this, I, I, I told my wife this the other day. I told my intern this the other day as well. You know, I think if you really want something, you have to be willing to do it just because you love it, not to get paid. I think the kind of entry level position, I mean, you know, with this podcast, with my podcast as well. You don't start it because you go, oh, I want to make some money. I'm going to do a podcast. <laughs> you start it because you love it and you want to do it or try it. And if you're, if you know, if you apply yourself, I'm not saying that if you're good enough, but it, you know, if if everything works out as planned, you may make eventually make money off it or something. But you know, there, there's a reason why at Transwell, everywhere that I've worked, you know, when somebody's a good intern, they become a good employee. They've kind of it's the best way to prove yourself, you know, that you're willing to do it, not be, not because you want to just make a buck, but because you actually want to be there. Um, you know, I tell kids, people ask me all the time, I want to do commentary. I go, okay, go down to any and all amateur events that you can and just volunteer. I will talk all day for free, anything. And usually more often than not, they'll let you you know, at whatever local events and stuff. And that's just a way to kind of work your way up and even offering to host free videos, edit free videos, film free videos for people just to get a reel in. You know, this is, this is all kind of intern level stuff, but even if you're 
already working and stuff, if you go to a company and you, let's say you really want to make videos for people or really want to make commercials, make four commercials for free, give them to the company and just say, thank you. Uh, is it cool if I use this for my reel? You know, then you have already kind of built up your resume with this thing. You're not getting paid, but this is working towards something. That's so great. I guess working for free is, is yeah, the, no, that's great working advice. for free until you feel that you have deserve to get paid. What if you're a little older? Like, so I have people asking me and they're in their thirties, early, you know, they're, they're our age. And I'm like, mm, it's a little harder to get them into action sports right away, Yeah, but they have these great skills. So any advice there or just on being maybe in your 30s or late 20s and wanting to pursue whatever wild idea yeah. it is, quit your job and do something else? You know, I feel like it's just if you, you know, if you kind of assess the risk, you know, if you're going to lose your house or lose your family or something, then maybe keep doing what you're doing. But if you don't care to lose that stuff and this is just fully what you want to do, then quit and try. You know, I've I've always wanted to move to Italy and to do something there, and I've been too scared. But the whole thing is, if if you really want to do this, I feel like action sports. Yeah, it is a very youth oriented game as far as the entry level stuff. But I don't see anything wrong with you know a thirty forty something person going to events or these companies and saying, look, I am a real, or I did, I've done real estate for 20 years, but I really want to work at Hurley or I really want to work at your company at Billabong. What can I do? You know, and it's, it's about finding a niche there that needs to be filled, whether it's paid or not. Um, I feel like events are pretty much the best, easiest place to start because, you know, especially summer, well, any any time, skating, snowboarding, whatever, there's going to be events near you at some point from low-level grassroots things to giant, you know, lower trestles, surf events. There's always a way to volunteer there, you know. And it's a great place to meet people that are it's high up. It's a great up. place to meet people that are high up. I mean, getting into these companies through the events I feel like is the, the that's a secret. So don't tell anybody that. That is good advice. That's the secret. Or showing up at the hotel where the event is held and then having drinks in the lobby. That's kind of a good secret too. Yeah. I mean, get your face out there. Craziest thing you've seen lately. I've seen all sorts of things from that video of the, the moving dock where you could jump off and go. Oh, through. the dock. Looks amazing. That was crazy. Craziest thing I've seen on video or in real life. Either. Wow. Because you're, you're at these events, you're with people, you're with Kelly Slater. Have you ridden his wave pole? No, I really want to, though. Kelly, we'd like to do a dual podcast. Yes, we'll, we'll, we'll volunteer pool. to come to your wave pool. We'll clean the bottom of your wave pool if we get a couple waves. Uh, crazy things. I mean, I guess in, in the event world, in, let's say, um, I'll just pick. So a crazy thing I saw in surfing was the Red Bull Cape Fear event that I commentated last year. It was, a, it was at Cape Fear in Australia, the heaviest, you know, the wave's called ours basically. And it is the gnarliest wave, one of the heaviest waves on the planet. Two days straight, I watched these dudes. Every single wave, when somebody fell, you thought they were dead. So you had to stop talking about the wave and the person, take a breath Wait till they popped up and you saw arms and head moving and then you could start talking again. 
So it's two days of that. So basically 12 hours of this, the craziest near death madness I've ever, ever, no, anyone's ever seen. So surf wise, you know, for a contest, an event that was next level. Um, I was just in Vancouver, Canada, commentating the Vans Park Series event, at Hastings Park. Pedro Barras took a run that shut the world down. I mean, it was he was already winning the contest. He took this run, and it, the whole place was shaking. And it was crazy because I was looking at a monitor, calling the run with Neil Hendricks, and it was kind of happening behind me. But you could feel the energy from this skate run. You could feel it from ten, you know, twenty feet away or whatever. So that was, as far as skate goes, that was probably the craziest thing I've seen in a long time. So to be part of those, to be part of those moments is probably the the best part about doing commentary and all that. That is really cool. Yeah, what do you, you're right there. What do you do when the interview just goes really awkward? Um, probably should ask. Press you on. <laughs> Press on. I, I've had so many times where the interview has gone awkward. Um, whether it's you know you're sitting there trying to ask a question and you're just keep you just keep talking and you can't seem to get out of your question, so you just keep on going and your brain's going, dude, stop talking, but you can't help it, and then it just comes out like a the trash talk or whatever. Millions of times. Press on. That's great advice. I'm going to take that. Press on or just stop talking. You know, if you're in the middle of a question and you keep going, yeah, and then you caught this wave, you did that, and then you just, you need to tell yourself, shut up, let this person answer this question. Almost like abruptly end it. Oh, go ahead. Love that advice. I have to be quiet more. So what, what, in, who inspires you right now? What are you inspired by? Who inspires me right now? I get inspired by, oh, that's a good question. can be books, movies, music I should know about, or our guests should know about. I mean, I get, ins- I, I, I get inspired daily by all kinds of things. You know, my kids inspire me. I get inspired when I watch a documentary or a really cool movie that, you know, gets me hyped. I get inspired listening to podcasts. I get inspired when I go skate the local skate park, Poods Park, you know, and I'm just skating around. I see somebody do something rad or I see a kid just learning how to skate. You know, that inspires me. I get inspired when people come up to me and go, dude, your skate videos on Instagram are awesome. You know, I'm going, really? You know, I'm kind of doing like stupid tricks, but the fact that they are sparked on it and it makes them want to skate, it's kind of their, their inspiration inspires me. It's like a rebreather of inspiration. A lot of I get inspired, inspiring people. Yeah, I mean, all kinds of things every day. Just any books? Living that, here. Any books that you give to people or movies or tapes? Like, what's the gift you give most often to people? Um, the gift I give most often, I used to give a lot of mixed CDs, mm. which we don't, I guess we don't have those anymore. Um, books. You know, I have a, I just listen, I listen to a lot of books on tape. I just listened to Don Winslow book called The Force. That it's, I mean, it's a crime novel, it's fiction, but I, I kind of go like nonfiction, fiction, back and forth. And this book just destroys you. It is so good. And it's going to be a movie soon, but it's one of those books, audio books that just wrecks you. It's that, it's amazing. We'll have to check it out. Yeah. National Geographic still inspires me. I get inspired by 
getting the opportunity to do cool new events and stuff like that. All right. Well, Chris is available to work in Italy. Yeah. At an event. We're Let's throwing do it. it to the universe. I have to go to, I get to go, get to go to Nicaragua. To this, uh, yeah, yeah, that's to awesome. This awesome resort. I'm really excited. What board should I bring? I can bring either a super, a firewire, or a global surf industries board because we're going to run it from board port and they carry those boards. Okay. Well, I have to tell you to get a super board. Okay, so we're going to get a super branded board. My brother does marketing for super. Um, I mean, the waves down there are generally, I mean, they can get heavy and gnarly, but I feel like it's probably uh, won't paddle out if it's yeah, you know, gnarly. It's fast beach breaks there's some power but it's nothing you know it's not like pipeline or anything it's it can get heavy but i think for the most part you could ride a standard shortboard for decent waves so what model superboard am i gonna ask um, justin for i feel like a, a pig dog, pig dog. Would, would be good for there because you can ride those in bigger waves and or smaller waves just something that's you know you don't want a small wave board because you can get throaty conditions down there and there's enough power to where you can ride a good shortboard in any kind of size waves. I like that description. Yeah. Conditions. Yeah. If you're just bringing one board, just bring a, a board that's kind of for, I, I, you know, like the, I, again, the pig dog is something you can ride in any conditions really. Okay. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, last question for you. If you were flying one of those planes on the beach that advertises things like, sometimes okay. they advertise cheetahs or <laughs> funny things. What would your message say on that plane? If it was, if this plane was going across the beach, uh, around the world, uh, stay positive. I love that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm a very positive person, and I try to bring that to any and every condition, you know, situation. You know, obviously, there's times where positivity is it's going to be hard to come by, but I feel like as a as a message stay positive it's super easy in theory but not always hard to to do and practice chris thank you so much for coming on the show where thank you. can people find you um probably the it's gonna sound corny but at, on instagram at chris cote no, it's not that's kind of the portal to the to my world and the monday mass you can download on the U network U online and it's also on itunes you can subscribe you can rate and review it we like ratings and yes, reviews. Yes, we do, don't on we? On all podcasts. That helps podcasts grow. So if you're listening, rate Chris's show. Yeah, rate, rate this show. And you can rate this episode and all episodes. Thank you so much for coming on, Chris. You're awesome. We'll have links to all of Chris's happenings in the show notes. And don't forget you. You. I hope you enjoyed this show. You can find Chris Cote at Chris Cote on Instagram. He is hilarious. Also on the U Y E W network, Chris Cantori's show is also on that network. They are great guys. You can find some gems on this network. So check them out. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for rating and reviewing the show. We love reviews on iTunes. So I actually created a little video, wildideasworthliving.com forward slash start it shows you how to write a review on itunes this helps our podcast write one for chris write one for me if you can if not that's okay thank you for listening wherever you are in the world don't forget some of the best adventures happen when you follow your wildest ideas thanks again for listening be sure to check out our awesome sponsors hdx hydration and keen you you